Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Hensky, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, Where Incarnate Memories Prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Imp Nation, we're back. I've got a new friend that I met from Bo Greenwood at the UVA basketball game. I think it was the first ACC game of the year where we basically won a game that we had no business winning at the end, down six points, and it was practically a buzzer beater. It was awesome against Pitt. And I was all smiles afterwards. Bo was all smiles. And he introduces me to the... Scott Doctor in the house. What's up, Scotty? Hey, Tom. How are you? Doing phenomenal. Man, you know, I read over your bio when I was on the plane ride home. You like, I don't think there's anyone who's more connected to UVA in terms of their family. You've got like, you've got like 17 kids who are all going to UVA. You're going to have 50 grandkids who are all going to go to UVA. Is it a rule in your house that you have to go to UVA? What's the deal? Pretty much, yes. Uh, we uh, corrupted them at an early age with all the gear and bringing them to games and, um, you know, making them know there was really only one university they could go to. And fortunately, they they uh, listened. But uh, no, it's um, it's it's great to be here and great to get to talk to you, get to talk about my favorite place in the world, University of Virginia. Well, awesome. We're going to talk about family in a little bit, but I want to hear the start. So were you the first generation to go to UVA? Where were you living? What else? What other colleges were in the mix? Give us the story. Yeah. So I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and I went to Catholic school from first grade on and 12 years of Catholic school. I, I was determined. Uh, the vision was to go to Notre Dame, you know, where every Catholic kid is supposed to go. And, um, and I verbally committed to play tennis uh, at Notre Dame. Uh, the dream was going to be complete. My family was thrilled. And um, I had a good friend who was at Notre Dame a, a year ahead of me. He played junior tennis with me. And he was having a terrible experience uh, with the coach and with the team. And he just he called me one day. He said, you know, you might want to just look some other places just in case. And um, I went to my guidance counselor at, at my high school and she said the same thing. She said, if you're having any doubts, you know, just take a look. Let's go back through your file. And, you know, what what else were you looking at? And of course, um, I was a I loved basketball as a kid. I loved playing basketball. I was too short to to do anything with basketball, but I loved watching basketball. And uh, the ACC was my favorite conference. Those were the days uh, we were coming off Ralph and Virginia had been to the final four in 84. And then we had um, UNC doing their thing, so on and so forth. And so 
I told her, I said, I, I don't know a whole lot about Virginia, but I know a lot about North Carolina. I think I'm going to look at those two schools. Went to Carolina, liked what I saw, um, went to Virginia, liked it even more. And, um, you know, fortunately, coach took a chance on me and allowed me to come to UVA and, um, and Notre Dame uh, was left in the dust. <laughs> and who knows what might have been, who knows, you know, uh, family wise and how that all works out. But uh, uh, a decision at 18 to, to go to UVA and now where we are as a family, which, yeah, we'll talk about in a bit, is um, it's pretty amazing. And, um, and, and I just feel so fortunate that this is the way it all worked out. Well, we're fortunate to have gotten you, but uh, was Rudy there? Was that the movie Rudy? Was not a Notre Dame, right? Was that during that was, your that era? Dame. That was kind of the, that was kind of the mantra. Uh, that was my mantra. I was a late, I was a late developing tennis player. I really didn't start playing until I was 13 tournaments. And so that was really late for the time. And, and, um, and, but I was charging hard. I was, I was getting better uh, through high school. I was five foot two, all of five foot two, my sophomore year, thus the basketball was not going to happen. So one of the basketball coaches said, Hey, I heard you, you actually have a pretty good tennis game. You might want to stay on that court versus our court. And, um, and that was great advice. And I, I grew, you know, what, eight, nine inches and um, that junior senior years and, and just really started to have a passion to get better and started beating some people I couldn't touch when I was younger. And, um, and so coming into UVA, it was, you know, it, it was, I knew I was going to play. I knew everything was going to be, you know, the same way it had been as I was coming through the end of high school. And, and I, you know, my parents dropped me off. They literally haven't left. I go over to Tuttle, uh, which is my dorm to play basketball on the court across the way where the swimming center is now. And I break my ankle playing with my new dorm mates. So my parents haven't left and I've already had my first uh, situation at UVA. And, and again, it, you know, things have a funny way of working out in life. Uh, there'll be several of those, I think in my story, but the, the, the situation maybe couldn't have been any better. I, I was so focused on tennis. There's no way I would have joined a fraternity. There's no way I would have met a lot of the same people that I ended up meeting. And, um, you know, I, I was very singularly focused when I was headed to UVA on athletics and being an athlete, and that was going to be my life. And, and, um, you know, that first day rocked my world. And, and so, you know, I, I ended up rushing. I, I had a cast up to my knee. It was, it was one of those, uh, falls that people, you know, sometimes talk about where it was like a hundred degrees and there was no air conditioning and it was miserable uh, on crutches going to class. But, you know, I met a lot of people as a result of being on crutches and people wanting to help me and maybe a few uh, females that, uh, you know, were a little nicer than they would have been otherwise. But um, it, it ended up being a blessing in disguise. And I hated it for tennis because coach, coach was mad at me, one, for playing basketball. And two, he, you know, he felt like, hey, I'd I made this situation for you and he pretty much point blank said, you know, you've, you're going to lose your scholarship, you know, unless you can get back at it. And, um, and, you know, that was a tough pill to swallow. Uh, I just, you know, encouraged him. I would come back and give me time and, and, um, 
and 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 he did give me time um but you know there's more there's more to that story too so i'll just kind of leave it there got to tuttle by the way my tuttle that tuttle dorm was uh what a <laughs> what an array of characters uh there's you know, the, Tuttle was kind of the quasi. Let's put so many athletes over there so they're close to walking to the to the uh, practice facilities. But more importantly, it was the it was the non athletes that were in there, and we just we had a blast. There there were a lot of characters, and I had a great suite. My roommate was a tennis player. We really didn't we really didn't have much in common. We didn't get along very well, but we figured it out and. Um, and, and, you know, the guy played in excess for like, you know, every single day at mock, you know, noise. Uh, and, and I, I grew to love it in excess. So, you know, it, there's the little things that your roommate can make you, make you love that you just never know, but I had a lot of characters like that in, in Tuttle and, and really glad I was a part of Tuttle and the people that I met there, a lot of great memories of Tuttle. That's funny. Two things come to mind. First of all, I've mentored a lot of young soccer players here where I live. And the one thing I always tell them is make sure that the university you pick, if you got hurt the first day and you could never play again, that you still want to be there. It never happens. It happened with you. right? So that's the first thing. And the second thing is we all have that roommate who exposes us to different things. Uh, I, having been from New York, I think I was more into hip hop and dance music and my roommate was into Jane's addiction. So, uh, we'll just leave it at that. And he was also on the soccer team, but we won't go any further down that road. We don't want to incriminate anybody. So great. So, so this happened. And then how did the rehab go with your, your ankle? What happened from there? It went fine. It, it, you know, I was, I was loving the fraternity and the guys I had met, um, I, I started, you know, probably being more social than I was coming in, uh, experiencing what we all do that first year of college and, and, uh, and, and, and lost a little bit of the drive. And so the rehab, I'll, t- I'll tell you who was a stud for me was Ethan, Ethan uh, Saliba, who's still, the, you know, if you, if you watch enough basketball, you see him on the bench. Ethan's been a good friend then and a good friend still to this day. And, and that's going to be a narrative you're going to hear a lot about through my story is the people that I met along the way. And some of those relationships still today, very strong, but Ethan was, was great for me. Joe geek was, was the, uh, you know, kind of the head trainer under doc McHugh. And, and so I had the best of the best and they were pushing me hard. It was just me, you know, trying to figure out, how, how could I, how could I make this, you know, kind of come back? And, um, and I got back in the spring. I didn't, I didn't play any matches. I wasn't, I wasn't up to the, you know, up to the level I needed to be. And, and, um, and so, you know, the, the question was, as I was going into second year, whether I would continue playing or, or not, I, I, um, ironically, I met my, my wife, I, we had a stats class the second semester and we were in the class together and um, and and she makes it clear that she really found me annoying for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but uh, we didn't we didn't start dating. That was that was first year. And uh, we ended up living next door to each other. Cambridge Square Apartments. Uh, we were next door neighbors. And so the first day we run into each other and we kind of have this memory of being in class 
but uh, she looked at me a little different. I probably looked at her a lot different, but um, uh, we started dating that first year of uh, second, uh, the first semester of second year and, and, um, and the rest of the story. <laughs> but uh, she really helped get me, Tom, back into the, the mode of like, why aren't you, why aren't you still kind of going after that dream? And, and as hard as I worked second year and as good as she was on that front, I ended up having an emergency appendectomy. And then I had a tumor in my chest uh, the second semester and they weren't sure, you know, what was going on. They took it out. It was, it was okay, but uh, that set me back too. So, so basically the first two years, you know, through the injuries, I, I was living social, loving UVA social, uh, met this great young lady, but I wasn't going to class. <laughs> so uh, my grades were- Oh, up. school, school, yeah. the real reason you were supposed to go there. Oh yeah, that thing. <laughs> well, and anybody that was in the comm school would know that if you're not going to class in the first two years, that's really going to be a problem uh, trying to get into the comm school, which is what I was trying to do. But the biggest problem was I was out four weeks of accounting uh, with, with a couple of these surgeries and, and, um, <laughs> that was, it was hard enough not being in class was, I wish we would have had zoom. That would have made things a lot different. I might've, I might've, you know, been able to figure it out, but, uh, it, you know, the short story of that is, is that I didn't get into the comm school. Um, <laughs> Ken Elzinga was one of my teachers during, during that time. And I went in and I said, I said, professor, Elzinga, I am in big trouble. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to pass this class at this point. Do you have any advice for me? And he's, he basically said, yeah, go to church. You know, you bet, you better pray a lot, <laughs> but he, but he did pass me actually, actually that was the miracle saver. And then the funny part of that is, is that econ was my major, oh, uh, that, that ended up being my major thanks to him. And, uh, I've seen him so many times and I just remind him, I said, you know, you saved me. Uh, he said, you saved yourself. Don't, don't, you know, don't make it more than that. But uh, yeah, but that ended up being my major. And, and third year, uh, I came back with a vengeance on the tennis court. And I had a I had a unbelievable year I played, started out way down the lineup, went all the way up to number one and, and uh, kind of, you know, petered down to two or three. And, um, but I had a great year. And the, the year before that, you know, my second year, Craig Fielder was a football player. And Craig Fielder got cancer and passed away um, is, is awful. And, um, um, for those of us that all would go to Brian Hall and you kind of meet people at the time and you, and you, you know, you sit down with people or Craig was a guy that, you know, a time or two, I would sit down and just, you know, get to know him a little bit. And, and it was really tragic uh, that he, you know, obviously lost his life so quick, but I was honored to be recognized as the first Craig Fielder, um, comeback athlete of the year after the third year. And um, it meant the world to me that, you know, that coach put me up for that and the struggles that I had and, um, you know, taught me a lot about life and in such a short period of time and, and uh, the resiliency and the perseverance. I just felt like if I could do this, I can do anything. And, and um, <laughs> uh, I was I was we were living in the Fred. This was when the Fred had just been built over on Wortland Street. Um, we were in the you know, we were in a brand new building. And uh, one of my roommates, his girlfriend was a Z and the Craig Fielder Award was presented by the Z Society. And so uh, 
she had not been outed yet. I didn't know she was a Z, but the, the, the award ended up on my, on my bed and it basically exposed her. So I, I was able to out her, which was in those days, it was a big deal to kind of out the Z's if we could figure out who they were. And, um, so that was bitter. That was a bittersweet moment for her, uh, being able to, to give me the award, which was awesome, but then getting outed. So, uh, good, good Z story there, but, uh, yeah. And, and Sally and I, Sally's my wife's name and we ended up getting engaged the, the first semester of fourth year. And, um, and, you know, we were bound and determined to get married and, and I finished, you know, I finished my fourth year plan and it was okay. I was looking for, for jobs and getting ready to get married. I wasn't as, you know, I just wasn't as focused as, as what happened in third year, but, you know, to be able to do it, and play tennis and then have the fraternity and the kind of the full experience. I just felt so lucky to do so much more than what I came to Virginia to do. And, um, you know, feel, you know, it's just a weird way of looking at injuries and some of the stuff that went on, uh, they were negatives, but they turned into positives. Well, there's a lot wrapped in on that one. You were talking about the accounting accounting now is online. It's not an in-person class. Uh, my son's there and he's taking it this semester. It's a pain in the butt. But uh, I said to him, I go, yeah, I don't know that you're going to love accounting. I understand it's the path to the comm school, but just giving you a heads up. And so it was one of those things. He didn't listen to me. And then now he's agreeing with me. It's the one thing that we agree on. And then you also mentioned Ethan, right? And Ethan was your trainer, uh, was there. I spent a lot more time with Sue with my injuries, Sue Foreman at the time, now they're married. And now their son, Sammy, is a first year. So I talk about um, life coming full circle and it's great. So anyway, um, that's amazing. So what was Sally doing? Was she in a, a sorority at the time? What was going on with her? Yeah, she was, she was, she was, uh, in Tridelt, I was at Fidel and, um, uh, Fidel and Tridelt really didn't do a lot together, but we kind of made them do a lot together once, once, uh, we were dating and we had a couple other, couple other couples in that, uh, in that realm. But, um, yeah, we had a, you know, we had a great time doing all the events and socials and, um, it, it, it was, it was a, just a fun part of the experience. And, um, I had, um, uh, been lucky enough to meet, uh, Ken Cheeseman through, he was a, a, a track and cross country guy. And Ken um, ran at the time Volunteers for Youth, which was a, it was kind of like Madison House, except for athletes. So the athletes had a big brother, uh, you know, little brother, big sister, little sister program. And Ken was the head of that. And there was a bike race that was tied in for the fundraiser called the Cavalier Criterium. And Ken asked if I would be involved. Our fraternity had sponsored uh, with, you know, just help. And so I ended up being the chair of the Cavalier Criterion for two years, getting tied in with Ken on Volunteers for Youth. The two of us ran that organization. We raised a lot of money through the bike race. The bike race had a, a little 500 element, which at the time, Breaking Away was this, you know, kind of fun movie. And, uh, at Indiana University, they had the race, the little 500. And so we mirrored uh, the Cavalier Criterion. We had a professional race first, and then we had a fraternity sorority race where you did a relay. And we took the starting point was at the chapel and we built the course, um, you know, 
all the way around the loop there around the libraries and and towards uh you know cock hall and around you know the west range and it was phenomenal <laughs> and there were unfortunately there were a lot of wipeouts because you you know when you hit those curves if you didn't know what you were doing you were going to crash but ended up being a fun event i had coach holland as our honorary starter we had uh, president o'neill at the time come out he was he was a starter and it was you know, we made it kind of a big deal and uh, it was a lot of fun. And I, you know, credit goes to Ken, who was king of the amps when I got in and um, Ken's Ken's a great guy. And, and uh, we stay in, stay in touch to this day. But um, uh, it's it's a lot of good memories. And it, it was a way to give back at the time. You know, it was a way to to do what uh, little time allowed. But but it was the right thing. I had a couple little brothers there in Charlottesville and they lived in you know, pretty part, tough part of town. And we were able to, you know, take them to events as athletes. We could get into the basketball at the time or go to a football game or, or just take them to shoot hoop or go to the library or whatever, you know, might've been, you know, fun for them. So tell me, how did you get uh, introduced to the imps? There was probably a tapping in there. Give me some good stories on that front. Yeah. So my, my um, fall season of the, of my fourth year, you know, I've heard the story a couple different times. It's mine's similar. They came to the Fred. They got three people. They one of them was head of the honor committee. Scared the hell out of me. You know, said I had a professor had reported me for a violation. And you know, I'm sitting there just thinking, I don't know, <laughs> no, but you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so. Uh, they put me in a car in the back seat and, you know, drive me around extra time just to make me sweat and ask me a bunch of questions. And then I get to the chapel and and, um, you know, and then history, you know, is the rest. But it that was a great night. Ed Red, Edmund Red was was in with me and and the two of us had way too much to drink. And so we they, I think they liquored me up a little bit on the way over there. And then they, you know, got us going with the tuna when we were there. And we were so happy that we weren't going to be expelled that, uh, you know, that uh, we probably overdid the tuna. And all I can remember is, is we were we were crawling under the bit, the pews in the I mean, it's just so bad for a Catholic kid. But we were crawling under the pews, uh, not in great state, trying to hide because, you know, they were giving us a bunch of questions and things kind of roasting us up there. But it was it was a great night and it was a great group. There was so many good people in that group as we all can relate to Dawn Bryant was a basketball player and she was in Tuttle with me and Dawn uh, was just a stud. I was, I was like, yeah, I, anything Dawn could do, I'd love to be a part of. And, and uh, Rob Seals and Ellis Butler who have played a ton of music uh, at UVA. They did when we were there, did even after Seals and Butler, they're great, uh, great two people. And yeah, it's just, I could go through the whole group, but, Ken was the king, and I was lucky to to know Ken. I was lucky to know several of the group. Kevin Cook was a football player who I had known too. And so we just, you know, you go back to that time. While we all might not have seen each other socially all the time, once we got together as imps, we were amazing. And we had, I had given Sally uh, for Christmas um, our first dog of our family. His name was Eli. It was a golden retriever. I had brought Eli from from Atlanta, from a, a breeder there. 
and Eli led the marches. Eli, we put uh, we put put the uh, put the colors on, and uh, Eli would be at the front of the pack, and we just we just had a blast on those marches. Very very memorable. Yeah, I remember when I took my kids when they were young to UVA and went by the chapel and I was telling them the story of that we used to meet in the chapel. And I don't think I thought it through as I was telling them, yeah, we would come here on Sundays and we would drink. And then I realized, okay, did I just tell my kids that I drank in a chapel on Sundays? (laughs) That was not good parenting at all, at all. But then they get older and they they begin to appreciate it. That's right. So that's great. So you had some amazing imp experiences and you wound up majoring in econ, I think you just told me. So how did you use that after college? What happened? Yeah, you know, uh, I want to mention two professors that were awesome for me. One was Ed Ayers. Ed Ayers, who ended up, you know, of course, uh, uh, doing some great things at the university and then going on to be president at the University of Richmond, uh, taught... uh, you know, the U.S. history before 1865. And um, it was a great course. And and I, I loved getting to meet him. And I spent a lot of time with him um, in between second and third year thinking about major and, you know, the frustration of not knowing I wasn't going to get into comm school and, you know, that life wasn't going to end because I wasn't getting into comm school. And, and um, Ed just on so many levels, uh, he was... Of course, you know, at the time you think of these guys to be so much older at the, I mean, at that time he was pretty darn young to be at the status that he was so relatable. He was very relatable. The flip side of Ed was D Allen Williams, who was the NCAA rep for athletics here at UVA. He was another history professor and he just passed away. I think this past year, but what a, what a insightful guy. And again, on the athletic side, he was so helpful to me. Um, just giving advice, but the ability to sit down in, in these guys' offices and talk about anything and, you know, listen to some sage advice that, that um, you know, at the time was really important. And so <laughs> Paul Tudor Jones had just been on the front of the cab daily and, and uh, he was talking about how he's an econ major and how it had served him so well. And so when my parents were giving me grief about you know, my studies and why I wasn't, you know, doing what I should have been doing and wasn't getting in the comm school. I sent the article on Paul Tudor Jones said, see, this guy did, was an econ major. I think, he, I think he turned out just fine. I should send him another article on him. I think, he, I think it's gotten even better for him, but. Um, I'm it, sure your parents appreciated that. I'm sure they well, love that. Yeah. They were, they were super psyched to have that. I'm like, yeah, look, you pay for your college next year. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they, uh, <laughs> they got it and we we figured it out and econ ended up being a great major again one of the one of my best professors it was his first year was ed burton ed had just come in and ed played tennis at rice university and so he, he gravitated to me and we we would go out and play tennis he had a farm you know a beautiful 400 acre farm out in earliesville and he had a clay tennis court we'd go out and and uh play tennis I, he let us fish in his pond and um, I ended up playing a, a couple member guests with him after I graduated here in Charlottesville. And Ed, just a, a, what a guy and a great family. And so, again, these relationships through that time uh, were so valuable and so helpful 
And yeah, going to econ, it, it, it worked out great. And I, and I, my first job was with first union bank, which a lot of UVA people at the time, if you wanted to go into banking, you're, you know, at the time it was NCNB or first union, they were kind of the two down in Charlotte that were competitors. And I saw banking as an, you know, kind of an outlier of sports and I wanted to go compete and win deals. And, and, um, and so economics was a great major for that. And it, and it turned out, it turned out to be just fine. It was, you know, the whole, I, and I went through it with my kids too, as they were, you know, I had four kids in the college is the same kind of thing. You know, should I be in the comm school? Is my life going to end if I'm not in the comm school? And they, they, they all had four great experiences. And so, um, you know, if anybody, if anybody's stressing about that, that listens to this, don't stress it. No matter what you do at UVA, you're going to be successful and you just find your place. You're going to meet great people. You're going to study great things. And then it all finds, it all works itself out. Yeah. Ed Burton, great guy, right? Ed was awesome. Very into the athletic department, was a real great conduit for some bright people to work on Wall Street. Uh, I remember, I'm trying to remember, I think we were doing some working with the kids at the local high school and he was involved somehow and he was the connection there. Just great guy. Awesome. But you're right. It's the people. It's the people. Okay. So now take me through, you you started to talk about First Union Bank. So what was that path like to where you are now? Yeah. So uh, Sally and I get, got married seven days after we graduated. And, uh, you know, that was insane. As we look back uh, now, 33 years later of uh, being married, we, uh, you know, I had an extra year of eligibility and she wanted to get her master's. And so we thought about going back. And in today's world, I don't know why the hell we didn't do that, but uh, we were in such a hurry to get going with life. And uh, we went to Charlotte to do the training, which was fantastic. She loved Charlotte, still loves Charlotte, but we were only there six months. It was a short, it was a short stint. We got hit by Hurricane Hugo, uh, which came through. My office was in the jukebox building that, um, that Wells Fargo still has as a result of merger after merger. Uh, my desk blew out that window that night. It literally, there was a, there, I was 11th floor and the, and the hurricane was so strong. It blew the windows out of the floor. My desk went flying out. Um, it, it was a crazy storm and we slept through it basically in our condo in the third ward. Uh, we had a, you know, we had a lot of fun there, but, um, we, we knew at the time, maybe the hurricane was a sign. It wasn't, wasn't meant to be. And so, so they had predetermined I was going to go to Georgia. That was, that was my resting place. And, and, you know, at the time, everybody thought, well, you want to go to Atlanta, you know, Atlanta's where Atlanta's where it's at, you know, and you got to be there. And first union had a very small market share, but they wanted to grow that market. Well, they said, no, you're going to Augusta, Georgia, and you're going to Augusta because we have 80% of the market and you're going to do a lot more deals quicker. And, uh, and so that's where we want you to go. And, and we were like, I, you know, Augusta, Georgia. And so that's where we went. And we were there for four years uh, working for the bank. It was an unbelievable experience. The number of people that we met, um, Sally and I ended up being uh, <laughs> the head of the UVA club because, because nobody else would. 
Shocker. Shocker that you became a head of a UVA club in Augusta, Georgia. And so, you know, one of our first events was, was pretty, was pretty fun. There was a regatta down there and Kevin Sauer was a young coach and he was going to bring his team down for this regatta. And we, of course, uh, yeah, Hey, we'll, we'll throw a big dinner for the team and, and we'll have all these people over. And uh, so we, we buy the food and, you know, I, I knew that athletes could eat. I didn't know what, what the crew teams could do to food, but they destroyed. We had to go out and get a whole second dinner because they killed the first dinner so fast. But uh, I, you know, I still, Kevin says, why do you tell the same story every time? Cause every time I see him, remember when we were doing the regatta in Augusta, Georgia. And he, he said, yes, I do remember you've told that story many times, but it, it was the beginning kind of, of the extension of UVA. It was, you know, the, uh, that's the way I met Wayne Cozart at the time. And, uh, Wayne, you know, Wayne was like, Hey, you know, if you're going to come up here, you might want to be a member of the colonnade club. I was like, what? Never heard of the colonnade club. Where the heck's that? Well, it's on the lawn. You got a hotel room. Let me sponsor you. You know, you're doing a nice thing down there. And Wayne gets us set up and we spent, I don't know how many years having a blast in the colonnade club, which if you're you don't know where that is check it out i think awesome uh, that place every, is awesome love it every amp should be a member of the colonnade club but it is it's a it's a blast and and you know what sally and i have done for many years is we put up prospective students if they're looking at uva we like to put them and their parents in there so they can wake up walk out on the lawn it's kind of our recruiting pitch to them you know you got to come here and uh here's the experience you're going to have every day <laughs> so that's awesome uh, yeah they, you but, can't you can't combat that there's no other place i was trying to do that for one of my former players uh who was looking at uva and i said to the mom i go yeah the chance of him staying on the lawn at the colonnade club and not going to virginia is probably zero just so you're ready for it so if you if you didn't want him to go to uva don't stay at the colonnade club whatever you do that's right. That's right. Well, we, we, um, you know, Augusta, uh, is where we had our first child, Jack. And, um, and so I think we were 20, the heck were we 23 and 22, um, you know, getting our career started Sally worked, um, in Augusta as well. And we, you know, we had this nice little deal going and, um, <laughs> you know, the masters is just, just happened this every time we watch the masters you know it's remembering that you know my boss comes into my office first year i'm in augusta and says okay you're going to the masters every day and uh if you don't you know if i see you here in this office you're basically terminated so make sure you're taking your customers out there and go have a great time it's like really that's is that <laughs> sign me up for that is yeah. that guy still a boss I, I, i'm gonna go apply to work for him that's what i want seven days yeah his other rule was that's where i learned to play golf in fact i had my first hole in one in augusta georgia uh with him with that boss and and uh you know he said look if you're not playing golf two days a week with your customers you're not doing your job i was like this guy is awesome uh ironically his son uh, I hired his son many years later to work for our company once I changed to, you know, change jobs. So, you know, payback was good. Uh, but yeah, it was Augusta was was fun. We had a lot of people, you know, whether they were in the Georgia Medical School or they were Augustans who had come back. There were a lot of young people just starting their families. It was just a great place to kind of get going. But then we had the UVA portion and 
remember the time, Tom, you know, you're coming off night, you know, we graduated in 89. We're in Augusta 90 to 93 90s when we're number one in the country in football. So we're going back. We're driving up for games constantly and trying to, you know, build the bridge as to what's the next phase going to be now as an alum and stay connected, not get disconnected. And so the club helped, you know, kind of start that and then going back up to UVA. And um, yeah, it just, it was, it was poor Jack. I mean, the kid was in a, you know, onesie that was, had a big V on it. <laughs> he had no choice. And, and what was it like having that first child go to UVA? What did, I mean, that must've been surreal for you and Sally, right? It was, Jack was a swimmer. And so he, we moved to Atlanta in 94 and that's really where the family, you know, kind of developed. And so uh, I changed jobs. Our family um, had a logistics company. It was, it was a book, co- it was a book fulfillment company basically. And, and so much like Amazon, we started long, long time ago, 1970s and the company was expanding and doing some different things. And so at the time it was the right thing to do. My dad asked me for, he asked me to come over a couple different times and I was enjoying my job, but he's like, you know, I really need your help. I have some things going on. And, and so we moved to Atlanta and that's where the kids grew up. They, they kind of followed my footsteps, went to Catholic school and um, in Atlanta and, and, and Jack was swimmer, you know, and, and we had stayed in touch. Mark Bernardino was a good friend. Uh, some of my best friends uh, from UVA still today were swimmers and they you know, Jack uh, went to a couple of camps up there and he just, you know, it was a dream. I don't know that he knew that he could actually do it, but, you know, he did it. He, he, he stayed on the team. He just did one year. They won the ACCs. He had three gold medalists on his team his year. I mean, it just intense training and, and toughness. And, uh, and, but, it, but it wasn't something he wanted to continue, but swimming helped him swimming helped him get you know get in I mean his grades were good but he it was it was uh it was good he had a little extra push there and at the time there was a guy named Sean Jenkins and some of us have have known Sean Sean moved on he's the headmaster at the Christ school now in Asheville but Sean was the Gordon Burris of of you know this period and and Sean took Jack and they became good good buds and he told Jack, this is the courses you got to take to be ready for UVA. If you're going to get in, you know, you need to do this and this. And Jack dutifully followed his advice. Sean's been a good friend ever since we met the first day, uh, much like Gordon Burris, who is one of my really close friends here now uh, to this day. And, and Gordon was in that role in the president's office for quite a, quite a while. But uh, uh, again, a couple of key people in life that we've that we've met and stayed close with, but Sean, huge influence on Jack and then each kid following. So Catherine and Sarah and Jefferson, our last one. Um, it's, it is surreal, Tom. It's, it's uh, all four uh, chose to go there. I mean, we did, you know, we did, you know, bribe them and give them all kinds of special little things to make that decision, of course, but no, they, they they loved it. They loved UVA. 
and they all wanted to come here. It was just really hard to get in, really, really hard to get in. And they they all persevered in, in, in their own way. And so we're very, very proud of them. Let me ask you this question. Of the four, which of the four were you most, uh, I want to use the word worried, but just humor me using that word. Which were you most worried didn't want to go to UVA? Sarah, number three. And the reason Sarah, Sarah was, you know, as we all uh, having our kids, you know, there, there's, there's things and Sarah had, you know, a couple things growing up, you know, ADHD and just, was it going to be a fit And each school that the other kids were in maybe wasn't the perfect fit for her. It didn't mean she didn't have talent. Didn't mean she wasn't smart. Just meant she was, her path was different and it was harder. And when Sean Jenkins was with us one time, he, he said, okay, well, Catherine and Jack, you know, they're here. So when is Jefferson? How's he looking? And we like, Sean, we have a third child. Her name's Sarah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't, I didn't even know about Sarah. I didn't know she was interested in UVA. And Sarah was real. She was a non-sport girl. Uh, <laughs> anything I wanted her to do on sports, she pretty much didn't do on purpose, but she was extremely artistic. and. Uh, unbelievable ability uh, to on a canvas express amazing image. And <laughs> we didn't know this, of course, being stupid parents that we were uh, an art teacher uh, early in high school said, Hey, Sarah's got a, a real talent. You need to enter her in these things. And lo and behold, Tom, she gets in uh, to winning some really big awards, you know, for athletes, it would be like winning a national championship. And we, you know, we're in Carnegie Hall with her, having her recognized for her artwork. And that was the way then Craig Littlepage at the time said, Scott, you, you, we've got a couple of student athletes who have gone through the art program at UVA. You really ought to take a look. I knew nothing about it. I knew it was in the college, but I knew very, very little. And so we had her meet with a professor here and she did a portfolio, which is what you can do as an artist. And he said it was one of the best portfolios he'd ever seen. And, and lo and behold, that, that ended up being her path here to UVA. And she went through the art program, had a great experience. And, uh, but we, Tom, we were worried about all of them, but in particular, Sarah, you know, just trying to, was it the right fit? I mean, you don't want to put them in, and we all know this as the parents, we don't want to put them in a position. Yes, we have dreams and we, you know, we want them to live our dream, but don't put them in a position to fail. And, you know, for a while there, we were saying, is this the right situation for her? And, um, and it didn't mean it was going to work that she was going to get in anyways, you know, that it still was a little bit of a mountain to climb there, but it did work out. She had a great experience and she loves this place as much as anybody. So we're so lucky that that's, that's the way it went. I love that story. The reason I ask is that, you know, I always feel like even if, it doesn't seem like it's a good fit for most of these kids. By the time they graduate, it was a great fit. Right? There's it something magical. Fit. It's the magical part of UVA. And you, you try to explain it to non-UVA people and they just don't get it. So, which is fine. It's okay. We can live in our own little world and be happy there. So you started to tell me a little about your business. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you're doing now? Give us a little background on that. Yeah. Our company, uh, PBD Worldwide Fulfillment is a, is a logistics company now full, you know, full fledged. We all now know what logistics and supply chain mean. And, and in those days, you know, again, going to a, 
cocktail party or a UVA event. And somebody asked you what you did. And I started talking after about five seconds. That was the end of the conversation because what the hell was it? And then I'm not very interested in that. So um, today's world, it's very interesting. It's, um, you know, e-commerce fulfillment, basically. So uh, people have product that they need to get out and they hire us to warehouse it and pick, pack and ship it. And we've got uh, facilities, uh, several in Atlanta, Chicago, Las Vegas, Washington, D.C. We were in Hong Kong for quite a long time. For those of you that took the CFA exam, um, you, that's where you got the books for 30 years. We were partners with CFA for 30 years and CFA moved most of that online. So the book business, which we had for so long, much like Amazon, turned into the e-commerce business. And so we had to kind of transform ourselves over the last so many years, but uh, I've been there almost 30 years now, which is hard to believe. Um, you know, we're over 500 employees. We, we are, um, you know, really into trying to be a best place to work. I think we've won that like 12 or 13 years in a row. We have to have good people and we have to have people that want to stay. And so we work really hard to create a culture of, of uh, teamwork and collaboration. And we've got a lot of cool things going on right now. So it's an exciting time. Jack, who I've referenced, our oldest son, is in the business. He runs our freight brokerage unit. And on the freight brokerage side, basically, it's moving product from the ports or anywhere in the United States from point A to point B to get it into warehouses so that it can get shipped out. And so, um, yeah, the business has kind of caught this enormous second wind. And uh, I think it's got a great future and we're really excited about it. But it's 46 years old, uh, started by my parents. and um, now it's got the third generation in it. Uh, I've got a couple of brothers that are in it and uh, just some great, great people that I work with who, who make it happen every day. And it allows me to, uh, to work, you know, from Charlottesville, our headquarters is in Atlanta, but I spend, I spend more time in Charlottesville. Um, I go back and forth a lot. I'm traveling a lot, but it's, it's worked out great. And really it was pre COVID, you know, doing what we all did during COVID I was doing before COVID. Uh, just looked a little different. And so, you know, that model works uh, for, for our team. I think our team enjoys it a lot more when I'm not there. So uh, they, they like the, uh, you know, the little distance that I give them, but um, no, really proud of the company, really proud of what we've built. Uh, you know, we had, we had a period, if you do a little research on us, we had a period where we did as a company, a no email Friday back in the Back in the time when we were all emailing each other too much and not communicating at the highest level. And uh, it landed us on the front page of USA Today and Wall Street Journal and a bunch of talk shows like the Today Show. There's a lot of fun. It was it was something that, um, you know, came from poor, you know, basically me and my assistant were emailing each other and we were 20 feet away. I was like, you know, this is ridiculous. And just trying to look at our company and how we were communicating and way too much, uh, you know, the lack of kind of the old time communication, uh, way, way too much electronic uh, use. And so we created these no email Fridays, you know, based off casual Fridays. And, and it worked, it worked unbelievable. I mean, total email usage for the company was down like 80%, which was incredible. And um, it lasted a few years, we kept it going. Um, and then, you know, like, like, all things like that, it kind of lost a little bit of its edge, but uh, 
But would you go to did you go to the uh, no emails Monday through Friday? Is that where, what happened after that? How did that, how did that progress? A little, little difficult for our Hong Kong facility and some of the uh, some of the remote facilities where you know you can't always get somebody on phone or Zoom or whatever. But uh, uh, no, it, it was just at the time it was kind of a fun thing, and you know you 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 know you think about your company going to you know, going to be in the Wall Street Journal for some big uh, acquisition or merger. There we were for no email Friday. So, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing how how interesting that is to people. I think everyone aspires to have no email Fridays. So what happened in Hong Kong? It sounds like you're not there anymore. What's the background to that? Well, with the with the change, with the change with China, it just it it, it was time. And, and again, um, most of that volume is let's say it was like 50 to 75,000 shipments a year over there we were we were doing most of that for cfa and they they went mostly you know where the younger people wanted not in a book form they wanted they wanted uh you know not in print they wanted on a pdf or whatever electronic exchange now so it yeah it just changed it just changed what the needs were and we partnered with ups over there we're, we're one of ups's biggest shippers here in the u.s and so we you know it was just time to um, look at things a little differently. And, and uh, we get a ton of stuff from China. And that's been a real problem uh, here over the last, you know, year plus. And uh, I presume that's going to continue to be a problem based on what we're seeing. But um, yeah, a lot of the product, uh, I'll give you an example, we have, uh, we have a company that's out of Atlanta, and they, they do phone cases, and everything's made in China and brought over on containers. Um, and so them being able to get their product in a timely manner and and then hit the market at the right time when there's new phone releases or new product releases, uh, it's a problem. And so uh, those are some of the challenges. And and uh, I think we'll continue to, you know, we'll continue to to be fine. But those companies, that's their that's their big challenge. It's costing them a lot of money if they don't get it in on time. So we'll see how that continues. But uh, uh, the the Probably the facility that's most important to us right now is out in Vegas because of the West Coast uh, port situation. Um, East Coast ports doing much better than West Coast. L.A. ports just getting crushed. And so um, ideally, you know, having Vegas, it allows us to take some product over there that that uh, we wouldn't get if it was just in Atlanta. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting things going on. And we're excited as to what the future of the business is. You know, just talking about giving back to the university, we were talking about it earlier. I mean, you've given back, you gave four kids, right? So, <laughs> but um, you, I also, when I was internet stalking you, I saw a little of, you stay really close with the tennis program, which is awesome because a lot of people don't do that. Uh, and in fact, I think that you were crucial in securing the scoreboard for them. So I want to just hear about that, your philosophy of giving back on that front, not only with your time, but your money. I just thought that was super special when I read that. You know, I told you the story about coach, you know, saying on, on my first year that that scholarship was going to be, um, taken, taken away. Essentially coach did come back to me third year and presented me, um, you know, back with, with some money and, and it meant a lot to me. It wasn't so much, you know, fortunately I could afford going to UVA at the time, but my parents, all that they had put in on um, getting me to get to UVA and then be willing to pay for that. I wanted to give something back. And at the time that's, that's what I could get back was the ability to get that scholarship. It meant so much to me. 
And so that carried over when I graduated, giving back to, of course, Virginia Athletics Foundation and, and um, trying to help them where I could, whether it was on socials or whatever. I ended up, um, you know, getting getting chosen to be on the VAF board and then ended up serving two years as president, and two more years as chairman. And and it was 11 year stint that um, to me was kind of the ultimate chance to give back for what athletics has done for myself and, and our family. And when they decided to build the new tennis facility, that was just another chance to kind of express my gratitude for what UVA and UVA athletics meant in, in our path as a family. And so um, we had, we've been to so many tennis matches. And by the way, look, our tennis team was not good when I played there. We beat Carolina all the time, which, you know, to me at the time, that's all that mattered. I, no, I was going to say nothing else matters. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, great. so that was good, but we really weren't very good overall. And so, so I had friends who played at Georgia and other places that were winning national championships. And my, my feeling coming out was there's no reason this program and this school can't be national champions. We saw it with your program in soccer. And so I worked so hard with the coaches, one in particular, Brian Boland, who had been there and won our first national championship. But the amount of time that we put in, um, and making people believe that this was a program that could win. And he did. He won it four times. Uh, we had, you know, we had Craig Littlepage's attention. Of course, they hated me at VAF because what did I talk about all the time? Tennis, tennis, tennis. And Amy Griffin was on the board with me. She can she can tell you uh, the, the nauseating times I mentioned tennis. So it it just was such a passion to want to see this program not just be good, but be great. And, you know, we all talk about that, whether it's in our business or in our family or world, we want to be great, but it's hard to be great. And it took a lot for that program to get to the place that it was. And so to keep it going, again, to be able to get back, uh, the scoreboard was one piece of it. Um, and D Dirk Katzer and I have been good friends pretty much since we were in school together. And I said to Dirk, I said, let's find the biggest scoreboard. I've seen a lot of them. We're getting the biggest damn scoreboard there is uh, in this country. And so Miami had one. I said, good, make it a foot bigger. I love and, it. Um, and make it cool and digital and HD quality. And, you know, things that are happening with the scoreboard, I never would have thought happened. They, they hosted, uh, Borshead uh, hosted a Wimbledon watch party last summer so that people could come out in our tennis facility and watch Wimbledon on our scoreboard. And uh, again, you know, this past weekend, my son Jefferson having his senior day and watching him on the, on the scoreboard and then, you know, get his, get his win, see his name up there. I mean, it just, it came full circle. It just uh, really was touching and, and felt, you know, felt like we had given back in a capacity that we could really feel. And, uh, and, uh, you know, very, very, very proud of, very proud of him, but also of what the tennis program has done, both on the men and women. We've had Daniel Collins, national champion, two times now is number eight in the world. Emma Navarro won the national championship last year. She's number one in the country right now. Um, it's men and women. And, and we wanted that to be the key, too. We wanted to build a program, not just men's tennis. Uh, we wanted it to be for both men and women. And that's what's happened. And now Gordon Burris's court uh, will go in 
Uh, it's we're we're dedicating that next week. Uh, very exciting. Gordon was coached back sixty-seven to seventy-two, and uh, deserves it for all that he did for the university. So a lot of people, Tom, who have made UVA tennis what it is. I don't want to. I don't want to take uh, more credit than than all of them deserve. But um, I'm so proud of the program and where it's come from. And by the way, we have had the highest grade point, both men and women. So soccer better get their act together. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> we're dra- like usual, we're dragging down the average. We're dragging it down the soccer players. So but, you're but, living you're living in Charlottesville. When you live in Charlottesville, do you still go to Bodo's? Oh, all the time. All the time. And uh, there's a little car wash that a baseball player started that's right by Bodo's. So it's a great chance to get the car wash, walk over to Bodo's while it's getting cleaned up. Just uh, – uh, get my order, which I've been waiting to share that with you. Bring it on. It couldn't be worse than a couple that have been on. So go for it. It's going to be hey, better I, than I, Ted's and it's going to be better than Les's. So go for it, it. You know, Ted, Ted's a good friend. I, I, Ted, poor Ted, he shouldn't get all that pain. I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit, but, uh, uh, I, I'm simple. It's, it's a pastrami and Swiss on an everything bagel. Uh, I like to put my own mayonnaise on because they'll kill you with the mayonnaise if you're not uh, if you're not careful. But the uh, the pastrami and Swiss and uh, everything bagels is uh, perfect for me. And by the way, don't sleep on the soup and salads. Uh, you know, you go to Bodo's for the sandwich. But, uh, you know, I always used to look at those soups when I was younger. I go, who eats soup at Bodo's? That's so weird. Now I do it every time. Well, you know, it's funny. You're saying the pastrami, but we started this conversation talking about that you almost went to Notre Dame. Pastrami seems like a Long Island thing, you know, where I grew up, where half of everyone, are you're either Catholic or you're Jewish. So that's like a very Jewish meal for the Catholic kid to be eating. I like that. I like it. I know, I know. But my two girls are in New York and we go there. You know, we go there in August and spend the month. So I think it's I think it's rubbing off on me. So all right, all right. I'm not gonna hold it against you. I'm a Long Island kid. I told you I'm a big fan of that one. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna support the pastrami. That's great. Uh and uh, have you been going on any marches with the imps drinking tuna lately? What's going on with that? I haven't. I I I wish. Uh I have to I have to uh be careful because uh you know, anytime I get over by the lawn, it makes me want to do things that I, I, uh, I shouldn't be doing, but I, my, our son, Jefferson, I've mentioned him several times. He lives on the West range. Um, he's in number 19. And, and, uh, so we, we do get to, you know, we see, we see things going on We're we're, we're listening and, and watching and smiling. I, I've had a few chances to kind of give, um, you know, the imps, um, uh, some some advice and 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 share some share some thoughts but it you know it that group again just reflection the impact of the time and and what we stood for and then how do you take that and you kind of go on in life and you know you hope you don't just it's not just one one part of the experience of your life it's it's forever and to me imps are forever you you you're just exhibiting what we all saw at a moment in our lifetime. And now we're, now we're trying to take it to another level when we have a little more means and we can, we can do all the things that we needed when we were here and have those influencers like Ed Ayers who can, who can help you. And, and uh, you know, and, and that's my advice to your group. I've heard you ask that question. What, you know, what, what would you, 
tell the imps and, and, and I have told them, I've told several of them, I think you keep, you keep trying to, while you're here, meet as many people as you can, because you never know who's going to influence you and you never know how long that influence can, can be. And, and I tell my kids the same thing. And, and, you know, we all know it goes fast. I mean, it goes so fast. And so put that into the rest of your life, life goes fast too. And so the more that we can enjoy and the more people that, you know, that we can listen to and get advice so that we try not to make errors uh, and learn, have to learn from those errors the hard way, the better. And, uh, and, and that's my ultimate, you know, my ultimate, uh, hopefully gift back, you know, keep, keep trying to give back any, any which way I have given them some money. I don't, I, I don't, I can't admit that I've been able to go over and enjoy what I'm guessing has gone into the tuna. Uh, but I, but I'm looking forward to that next taste because it was so delicious, Tom. It was, it's quite a fine, you know, it's quite a fine drink. Um, and, and by the way, we didn't, we didn't go into all the Z stories, but I will say we, you know, the number one takeaway was being able to go sneak into alumni hall uh, when they were having their meetings. And then we were, we were basically like the FBI taking names and then posting who the, who the imps were. Brady Lum at the time was the head of the Z's. So it was a lot of fun to kind of pick on them and, and make them uh, make them squirm that we knew more than they did. Well, as you know, I'm uh, shooting to do an episode with a current imp to hear what they're doing nowadays. I think, and all the questions that came in, you sent some questions uh, that you'd want to hear answered. So uh, I think we'll get some really good Z stories on what's going on. I heard there have been some good practical jokes that I'm not going to divulge right now, but there's some good ones. But wow, this is the quickest hour ever in the history of 60 Minutes. Holy cow. This was awesome, Scott. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Really appreciate it. And to everyone out there in Implant, uh, wish you all great health and look forward to hopefully seeing you soon in Charlottesville. Anytime, right. call on me. You heard him. You get down to Charlottesville, make sure you go pick him up some pastrami at Bodo's and then go to the lawn and he'll concoct the tuna and you'll be all set to go with all 30,000 of his relatives that are at UVA, including those four prides and joy who've gone and the last one's finishing up. What a great, great story for you and Sally. Scott, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on today. Imp Nation, got some great interviews coming up. Tune in next time. I'm not gonna tell you who it is, but we got some good ones coming up. Take care, everyone. Thanks. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I wanna tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing, don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense. C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.